Greetings, Detective. Welcome to the Murder Mystery Company in our new free service, Calm Mystery. We know that many of you need that calm and centered moment, but meditation isn't necessarily your thing. If you're a mystery lover, a crime fan, and could use a break, you've come to the right place. It sure is a suspenseful world out there, but I have good news for you. In this world, the only suspense will come from the world's best writers. For the next few minutes, we're going to close the door on the outside world. First, find a comfortable chair, sofa, or bed. Take a moment to just relax into that spot. Let your body sink in, slowly releasing the day's tension. Just relax. You've earned this time. You need this time for you. Your body will thank you. Now let's take a moment to clear your mind. I want you to focus on two things. My voice and your breathing. Take a deep breath in through your nose. Let it out slowly through your mouth. Now the same thing, but let's breathe on my count. Three counts in and four counts out. Breathe in. One, two, three. Now out. One, two, three, four. As we do this, you're going to slowly relax more and be perfectly ready for tonight's dastardly tale. Now again, breathe in. One, two, three. Now out. One, two, three, four. One more time, breathing out the last bit of stress. Breathe in, one, two, three. Now out, one, two, three, four. Excellent. Tonight's tale of mystery, intrigue, and murder is truly spine-tingling. Calm Mystery the Man Who Was Lost by Jacques Futrell Read by Perry F. Bruns Part 4 Event followed event with startling rapidity during the next few hours. First came a message from the Chief of Police of Denver. No capitalist or financier of consequence was out of Denver at the moment, so far as his men could ascertain. Longer search might be fruitful. He did not know John Doan. One John Doan in the directory was a teamster. Then from the blank National Bank came another telegram signed Preston Bell Cashier, reciting the circumstances of the disappearance of the hundred-dollar bills. The blank National Bank had moved into a new structure. Within a week there had been a fire which destroyed it. Several packages of money including one package of hundred-dollar bills, 
among them those specified by the thinking machine, had been burned. President Harrison of the bank immediately made affidavit to the government that these bills were left in his office. The thinking machine studied this telegram carefully and from time to time glanced at it while Hatch made his report. This was as to the work of the correspondents who had been seeking John Doan. They found many men of the name and reported at length on each. One by one, the thinking machine heard the reports, then shook his head. Finally, he reverted again to the telegram, and after consideration, sent another, this time to the chief of police of Butte. In it, he asked these questions. Has there ever been any financial trouble in Blank National Bank? Was there an embezzlement or shortage at any time? What is reputation of President Harrison? What is reputation of Cashier Bell? Do you know John Doan? In due course of events, the answer came. It was brief and to the point. It said, Harrison recently embezzled $175,000 and disappeared. Bell's reputation excellent. Now out of city. Don't know John Doan. If you have any trace of Harrison, wire quick. This answer came just after Doan awoke, apparently greatly refreshed, but himself again. That is, himself insofar as he was still lost. For an hour, the thinking machine pounded him with questions. Questions of all sorts, serious, religious, and at times seemingly silly. They apparently aroused no trace of memory, save when the name Preston Bell was mentioned. Then there was the strange, puzzled expression on Doan's face. Harrison, do you know him? asked the scientist. President of the Blank National Bank of Butte? There was only an uncomprehending stare for an answer. After a long time of this, the thinking machine instructed Hatch and Doan to go for a walk. He still had a faint hope that someone might recognize Doan and speak to him. As they wandered aimlessly on, two persons spoke to him. One was a man who nodded and passed on. Who was that? asked Hatch quickly. Do you remember ever having seen him before? Oh, yes, was the reply. He stops at my hotel. He knows me as Doan. It was just a few minutes before six o'clock when, walking slowly, they passed a great office building. Coming toward them was a well-dressed, active man of thirty-five years or so. As he approached, he removed a cigar from his lips. Hello, Harry, he exclaimed and reached for Doan's hand. Hello, said Doan, but there was no trace of recognition in his voice. How's Pittsburgh? asked the stranger. Oh, all right, I guess, said Doan, and there came new wrinkles of perplexity in his brow. Allow me, Mr. Mr. Really, I have forgotten your name. Manning, laughed the other. Mr. Hatch, Mr. Manning. The reporter shook hands with Manning eagerly. He saw now a new line of possibilities suddenly revealed. Here was a man who knew Doan as Harry, and then Pittsburgh, too. Last time I saw you was in Pittsburgh, wasn't it? 
Manning rattled on as he led the way into a nearby cafe. "'By George, that was a stiff game that night. Remember that jack full I held? It cost me nineteen hundred dollars,' he added ruefully. "'Yes, I remember,' said Doan, but Hatch knew that he did not. And meanwhile, a thousand questions were surging through the reporter's brain. "'Poker hands expensive as that are liable to be long remembered,' remarked Hatch casually. "'How long ago was that?' Three years, wasn't it, Harry?' asked Manning. "'All of that, I should say,' was the reply. Twenty hours at the table,' said Manning, and again he laughed cheerfully. "'I was woozy when we finished.' Inside the cafe, they sought out a table in a corner. No one else was near. When the waiter had gone, Hatch leaned over and looked Dome straight in the eyes. "'Shall I ask some questions?' he inquired. "'Yes, yes,' said the other eagerly. "'Wait, what is it?' asked Manning. "'It's a remarkably strange chain of circumstances,' said Hatch in explanation. "'This man whom you call Harry, we know is John Doan. "'What is his real name? Harry what?' Manning stared at the reporter for a moment in amazement. Then, gradually, a smile came to his lips. "'What are you trying to do?' he asked. "'Is this a joke?' "'No, my God, man, can't you see?' exclaimed Doan fiercely. "'I'm ill, sick, something. "'I've lost my memory, all of my past. "'I don't remember anything about myself. "'What is my name?' "'Oh, by George!' exclaimed Manning. "'By George, I don't believe I know your full name. "'Harry... Harry what?' "'He drew from his pocket several letters "'and half a dozen scraps of paper and ran over them. "'Then he looked carefully through a worn notebook. "'I don't know,' he confessed. "'I had your name and address in an old notebook, "'but I suppose I burned it. I remember, though, I met you in the Lincoln Club in Pittsburgh three years ago. I called you Harry because everyone was calling everybody else by his first name. Your last name made no impression on me at all. By George, he concluded in a new burst of amazement. What were the circumstances exactly? asked Hatch. I'm a traveling man, Manning explained. I go everywhere. A friend gave me a card to the Lincoln Club in Pittsburgh, and I went there. There were five or six of us playing poker, among them Mr. Mr. Doan here. I sat at the same table with him for twenty hours or so, but I can't recall his last name to save me. It isn't Doan, I'm positive. I have an excellent memory for faces, and I know you're the man. Don't you remember me? I haven't the slightest recollection of ever having seen you before in my life, was Doan's slow reply. I have no recollection of ever having been in Pittsburgh. No recollection of anything. Do you know if Mr. Doan is a resident of Pittsburgh? Hatch inquired. Or was he there as a visitor, as you were? Couldn't tell you to save my life, replied Manning. Lord, it's amazing, isn't it? You don't remember me? You called me Bill all evening. The other man shook his head. 
Well, say, is there anything I can do for you? Nothing, thanks, said Doan. Only tell me my name and who I am. Lord, I don't know. What sort of a club is the Lincoln? asked Hatch. It's a sort of a millionaire's club, Manning explained. Lots of iron men belong to it. I had considerable business with them. That's what took me to Pittsburgh. And you are absolutely positive this is the man you met there? Why, I know it. I never forget faces. It's my business to remember them. Did he say anything about a family? Not that I recall. A man doesn't usually speak of his family at a poker table. Do you remember the exact date or the month? I think it was in January or February, possibly, was the reply. It was bitterly cold, and the snow was all smoked up. Yes, I'm positive it was in January, three years ago. After a while, the men separated. Manning was stopping at the Hotel Teutonic, and willingly gave his name and permanent address to Hatch, explaining at the same time that he would be in the city for several days and was perfectly willing to help in any way he could. He took also the address of the thinking machine. From the café, Hatch and Doan returned to the scientist. They found with him two telegrams spread out on a table before him. Briefly, Hatch told the story of the meeting with Manning, while Doan sank down with his head in his hands. The thinking machine listened without comment. Here, he said at the conclusion of the recital, and he offered one of the telegrams to Hatch. I got the name of a shoemaker from Mr. Doan's shoe and wired to him in Denver, asking if he had a record of the sale. This is the answer. Read it aloud. Hatch did so. Shoes such as described made nine weeks ago for Preston Bell, cashier blank National Bank of Butte. Don't know John Doan. Well, what? Doan began, bewildered. It means that you are Preston Bell, said Hatch emphatically. No, said the thinking machine quickly. It means that there is only a strong probability of it. The doorbell rang. After a moment, Martha appeared. A lady to see you, sir, she said. Her name? Mrs. John Doan. Gentlemen, kindly step into the next room, requested the thinking machine. Together, Hatch and Doan passed through the door. There was an expression of, of, no man may say what, on Doan's face as he went. Show her in here, Martha, instructed the scientist. There was a rustle of silk in the hall. The curtains on the door were pulled apart quickly, and a richly gowned woman rushed into the room. My husband, is he here? she demanded breathlessly. I went to the hotel. They said he came here for treatment. Please, please, is he here? A moment, madam, said the thinking machine. He stepped to the door through which Hatch and Doan had gone, and said something. One of them appeared in the door. It was Hutchinson Hatch. John, John, my darling husband, and the woman flung her arms about Hatch's neck. Don't you know me? With blushing face, Hatch looked over her shoulder into the eyes of the thinking machine. 
who stood briskly rubbing his hands. Never before in his long acquaintance with the scientist had Hatch seen him smile. Thank you for listening to Calm Mystery, a Murder Mystery Company production. To solve your own case with us, visit MurderMysteryZoomParty.com, all one word, and use code CALM, C-A-L-M, for $20 off your own murder mystery party. We have dozens of entertaining detectives. You can even ask for me, Perry, by name. If no one else can help, and if they can find me, maybe I can help you become Detective of the Night. That's MurderMysteryZoomParty.com, all one word, code CALM.